In this episode, John Davis and J.R. Butler tell their stories about getting into tech sales. J.R. thought he was going to take the LSAT and be a lawyer until he was openly mocked for it at a bar. John Davis was peddling his resume around Wall Street during one of the worst financial crises in modern times. Today, they're top performing sales executives, having made millions by embracing the idea of becoming a merchant of change. I'm J.R. Butler, co-founder of The Shift Group, and you're listening to Merchants of Change. This is a podcast about transferring the skills and behaviors we acquire as athletes into being a professional technology salesperson. Each week, we'll introduce you to a top performer who will help us understand how they became professional merchants of change. How we doing, man? I'm excited. This is our, uh, our, our first inaugural episode. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> uh, we got to carry this. We don't have a guest this time. Um, so I think like John, what I would love to cover for our audience is, is talk a little bit about the origin story of, of the company that we started. Um, tell a little bit about, you know, why we picked Merchants of Change for the name of our podcast. Um, make sure that people understand what the show is and who it's for. Um, and then we can kind of hit some of the, the recurring topics that we're going to hit every episode with different guests from around the, the sales universe. Does that sound like a good plan to you, my man? Yeah, that's, that's good. And I think for, for everybody who's listening now, I think the place when you talk about shift group, the place to start is with JR. So I'm going to let you kick it off, but why don't you tell the listeners it's everybody's first time. Tell us about yourself. Tell us how Shift Group came to be. You know, what's what's your background? Who are you? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you are, but <laughs> so I think you know from a from a background perspective. For those that haven't heard me talk about myself on other podcasts, um, I, I grew up in the Massachusetts area, Central Mass for life, um, and I grew up in a big hockey household. My father was a legendary high school hockey coach for about forty years. Um, Marlboro High School. I was destined to be on the ice. I grew up playing hockey, uh, football and baseball. Uh, but hockey was kind of always the number one choice. I, I was lucky enough to go away after my first two years of public school. I got the opportunity to play hockey in prep school. And because of that opportunity, I got to play in college at Holy Cross, was part of some great teams there, including a team in 20, 20, 2006. Um, aging myself a little, but that, that upset Minnesota in the regional. Um, and then, you know, one day, like everybody else, my hockey career was over and I was a lost puppy. Um, and that's kind of where you were Cushing, right? Cushing, 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 and then Holy Cross two, four, eight years of purple. Um, and actually my first company that I worked for out of school was also purple. So I did like 12 years of purple and according to my mother, I look great in purple. So that's okay. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of where, where shift group started is, you know, back in, you know, the, I'd say the, the summer of 2008 when I was lost thinking about going to law school, cause that's what I thought I was supposed to do. I was having a conversation with a guy at a bar in Marlboro uh, that knew me from men's league hockey. 
he asked me what I was going to do. I told him, I, I think I'm going to go take the LSAT and go to law school. And he legitimately laughed in my face. And he's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I, probably, like, I probably would have laughed too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you mean, man? He's like, he's like, listen, he's like, you're, you're obviously a, a competitive dude. You're, you're super resilient, you know, to play division one hockey, you had to work your butt off. You're competitive. He's like, listen, I, I own a, a tech, a tech business. I'm looking for like entry level salespeople. I think you should come and try it out. And, uh, and he's like, you know, I guarantee you'll make quarter million dollars within three years. And I was kind of like, dude, I don't own a computer. Like literally, literally, I was like, I don't know anything about technology. Um, he's like, that doesn't matter. That's not what selling technology is. I just come and I'll teach you. Um, and that's, I think, I I think, yeah, that's like, that's who this show's for. You know, everybody listening in for the first time, you, you kind of hearing about JR's background and, you know, him growing up in Marlboro, Massachusetts, playing hockey, and some guy off the street telling him, hey, uh, you know, don't do law schools, go sell technology. So if you're out there listening, like, what are these guys talking about? I think that's, that's who this podcast is for, right? The merchants of change, getting people into sales, in, aware of software sales and career and technology. I think if you told me at 18 what technology sales was, I'd probably look at you sideways like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to be an accountant, you know? So I think people struggling in, in understanding what's available out there for careers. I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good background. You know, you didn't, didn't start off with, Hey, this is what I'm going to do by my whole life. You just kind of stumbled into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and I was lucky I had like incredible mentors right from day one. Um, guys that took me under my wing or under their wing, I should say, and just showed me the ropes, right? Like showed me what it meant to be a professional salesperson. Um, you know, I, 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 I compare it to like my little brother, his first year, you know, playing pro hockey in Ottawa and, you know, Alfie, the captain of the senators taking him under his wing and, you know, explaining to him like, Hey, this is what it means to be a pro. Right. So I, I was surrounded by people that made me really understand that, you know, number one, you can make as much, if not more than a professional athlete doing this career, if you're a professional um, and this is what it means to be a professional. So I took that to heart. You know, I, I would love to tell you I took it to heart from day one, but I definitely didn't. You know, I, I had, it was not an easy transition for me. I had a lot of anger about, you know, my career being over, you know, losing my identity as an athlete. Those things were were a struggle. But I think once I really got my feet underneath me and understood that, you know, I could be a professional salesperson, that's when things really picked up for me on the, on the, you know, job front and the career front. Um, I spent six years at that company and then I was lucky enough to be an early employee at a, at a fast growth startup in Boston. And, you know, we went, we, 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 we grew the business significantly, you know, hundred percent year over year, every year for six years, we did 27 quarters of consecutive year over year growth. Um, and I got to move into leadership. I went from a individual contributor to a sales leader in my first three months at the company and then never really looked back. I loved helping younger salespeople find what I found in my mentors and me. Um, that was kind of the most rewarding part of my career, my whole life. Um, and 
was there again for probably about six years. Uh, got an opportunity to be a chief revenue officer uh, at a really early stage company. So I got to see kind of series A to, to a $2 billion exit. And then I got to see, you know, pre series A with a, with a, a founder led company. Um, so you were, so you were, so you were pretty good at sales. I'm all right. I think you found your groom. I, I got a question for you though. Like, so before the LSAT example, like when you were younger, like, you know, when we were, hanging out at Holy Cross, even before that, like, what did you, what did you think you were going to do for a career? Like if, if somebody asked 18, 19 year old J.R. Butler, what are you going to do for a career? Did you have any idea? I actually kind of did want to be a lawyer, dude. And now that you asked me that, like, you know, yeah. I, I, my first semester at, at Holy Cross, I was an econ major and I got a, I got my first C ever in my entire life. Freshman fall semester in econ because it was a math class and I was not good at math. And that's when I switched to sociology. And I, I just assumed like, okay, obviously I'm no one's going to pay me to be a sociologist. So I can take this, which is a lot of writing, reading, et cetera. And I can, I could probably be a lawyer and make a lot of money. So I think I probably thought I was going to be a lawyer, but you know, if you ask me, when I was 15, I thought I was going to play in the NHL, right? I don't think anybody else did, but that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, okay. So, yeah, I'd say, I would say like lawyer was probably always in the back of my head. Do you think it's because like lawyers on TV, they're always, you know, interrogating people and, and it's like flashy or were you just like, you know, looking for a way to make money? Because lawyers, I'm just asking because my goal was just to make, make money. And yeah. I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's pro- probably like lawyers on like, you know, they're, they're handsome and wear nice suits and like drive nice cars. So it's probably, <laughs> it was probably the money thing. And I, and I do like the idea of like, I've always been pretty good with people like interacting with, with other humans. So I thought that that skill would pay off as a lawyer for sure. What, why, why did you always want to make money? Like what, how did that motivate you? Well, like I just remember there were certain times growing up and I didn't grow up too far from you down in Mansfield, Massachusetts, where I was just, I saw kind of limitations around money. You know, you could get into certain uh, different types of hotels or different events if you had more money. And I was always attracted to like, I don't want to have limitations with things, you know, like it was big picture stuff for a young kid, but I was like, you know, if I can find a way to make a lot of money, then I can, I can go over there or I can buy that and I can do that. So it was more like, how can I enable myself? And it's funny, but to your point, like when I was young, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. Like I was like, I'm going to do med school. And then (laughs) I was like, uh, maybe I'll be in finance or accounting because that seemed like a, you know, a ton of money. And, you know, I, I really didn't care. I, I, I was lucky enough to kind of be um, a versatile student and I could kind of pick where I wanted to play, but I just wanted to make money. I had, if you told me I was going to be selling technology to businesses, I would have been like, no, that doesn't sound like anything I would ever do. Well, well, we, we've gotten up to the point in my career where, you know, the whole shift group thing started before I go into that. Why don't you talk a little bit, John, about your journey? So like you haven't been in sales as long as I have been. Um, You're probably at like 35 quarters compared to my 55. 
um, but still a lot. But can you just talk about like, you know, like I remember when you made the transition, can you yeah. talk about your journey from Holy Cross into the, into the working world and then into sales? Yeah. So I, for everybody listening out there, I'm, I'm currently based in Toronto, but I grew up in Massachusetts, not far from JR. went to Holy Cross. I played football uh, for a few years there. Not, not too long. We weren't that good. And uh, it was a lot of work, but I played, uh, I think, defensive line and I didn't think I was going to go to the NFL. So I spent most of my time thinking about what I was going to do after college and Holy Cross is a big, uh, economics school, uh, finance, accounting, lawyers, doctors. It's, it's a liberal arts school, but it's, it's very, uh, the alumni are very focused in that area. So a lot of my friends were like, yeah, we're going to work on wall street. Um, I was like, that sounds like a great idea. So I focused on economics and I was pretty good at math. Um, but I also, you know, just to that point, wanted to make money. So I graduated thinking I was going to go to Wall Street. And it turns out that <laughs> a lot of our buddies at Holy Cross actually already had connections on Wall Street or family members on Wall Street. I did not have that at all. So, you know, slinging your resume out to these financial institutions during the worst collapse in the world's history in the economy. Um, maybe not world history, but yeah, the financial crisis of 2008, 2007, like just killed me. I was walking around town applying to banks and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're just they're like, we're, we're, we're closing tomorrow. Actually, we don't yeah, exist yeah. anymore. <laughs> that's, that's true. They're like, yeah, we're going, sorry, we're going out of business and we're super regulated. So I was that guy. I actually worked in a liquor store in my hometown. And uh, funny story about that, but I was, I was in this liquor store and a few months later, uh, a woman was in there talking about how her daughter just got accepted to Holy Cross. And I was like, oh, I just graduated from there. And she was like, looking at me as the cashier. And she was like, no, it's, uh, no, it's, a, bit, it's, a, it's a good school. And I was like, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm sitting there with the Holy Cross degree, which in the 90s, you're like, you graduate, you can go to Wall Street, whatever. Yeah. But during the financial crisis, it was tough. It was tough. So I got a job at a bank. I started going to work at a bank, a federal bank in Boston. Um, and I was taking the bus at night over to UMass Boston, doing my MBA. And, you know, it, all the glitz and glamour of finance wasn't there for me. It was like after a few months of just doing Excel spreadsheets and reports and printing out PDFs and analyzing data, I was like, I just want to talk to people. You know, I just want to like, why aren't we talking to people? We're just doing numbers. So it took me about five years of doing finance and banking until I actually, you know, was exposed to other people. Um, my friends, my brother, my cousins, all these people selling software. And I me. saw their page, <laughs> you, JR, like, and, and a lot of my friends were like, what are you doing? Why, why are you in banking? So I, I was, at this point where I was like, wait a second, I just did my MBA. I'm invested in this. I'm finance, 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 accounting, accounting. And then I had to quit. And I was like, this is, this is hard. So I think where you got in, where that guy pointed you to software sales early on, for me, it was like a, a mid twenties career change. And for, for those of you listening, you know, that aren't in college or aren't about to apply to their first job, if you're in a career, like it's totally normal. 
it's totally normal to make the change. In 1999, you know, you have to stay at the same company for 20 years in order to have that credibility. But in 2022, totally normal to make a career transition. The, the, the average person changes their career seven times in their life. Not their job, their career. So you're absolutely right. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's a, it's a big it's a big thing when you think about it, you know, and it gets to you. I was like, should I quit finance? Should I do this? I remember taking an entry-level sales job and I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right time for me. So I had a lot of hesitations. Did you get, did you get the first job you interviewed for? I forget. No. No. So what, was, no. what was that like? What was the interview process like? How'd you go about it? So here, here I am working at a, at a, at a bank and I, I go out to my car and I take a phone interview with a sales manager talking about selling hardware at the time. So it's like a division of a software company that sells the actual machines. I had no idea what to expect. And I got in the car and started talking to this sales manager and I'm just like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't like finance. Like, it's, it's terrible. Like, I heard sales is way better. Like, <laughs> I got my MBA, you know, 4.0 this, GPA that. Like, I'm taking my CFA, Series 7, whatever. Like, throwing all these certifications and buzzwords at the sales manager. And I had no personality, no excitement. And he was like, hey, sorry, you're never going to sell anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually... It's funny you ask that because then I, I probably called you. I definitely called like my brother and some of my friends and was like, can you help me? And I called some people in sales and I was like, what? Like, how did I have a master's? How did I not get this interview? But it turns out like that whole getting a sales job is totally different. It's yeah. totally different from other jobs. You're evaluated different, different mindset. So, uh, so, so your, your first gig, you went right to a big company, right? Yeah. Yeah, I worked at a major Fortune 500 company selling software, and it and it was entry level, and I was the older I was the older person in the the group of entry level salespeople. But yeah, I actually uh, I I kind of really I really enjoyed that route. I didn't plan on that, but having been a customer, somebody who used software, learning a little bit more about the finance industry, it actually helped me in my sales career. And when I was able to take that and spin that in the interview and say, Hey, I actually have real world experience. Let me tell you why it matters and, and be positive about making a change. I think that was well received. It took me about three, three or four interviews to get that first job. And, and how long before you were in the seat before you were like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do forever. Oh, it was, it was, for me, it was, it was very quick. Yeah. Like I, I remember I joined and I, I sat down and uh, they said, yeah, so you're supposed to call 30 people a day. And at, at the time at the bank I was working at, I was calling hundreds of people a day. So I was like, I talked to my manager. I said, so what do I do when I'm done with the 30? And he said, you're done for the day. And I said, I'll, I'll be done at nine 30. I said, <laughs> I could get like, this seems easy. And it just, I don't know. It felt like it felt like almost like too good to be true. I didn't feel like I was, you know, grinding over variance analysis and interest rates. I was calling people on the phone and asking them if they wanted to talk to me. Like right. it just felt it felt very natural to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think like you're you're calling with a solution to a potential problem that they have and it's really about 
you know, one, one thing I liked about it is like you can figure out together pretty quickly if it's worth either of your time to spend more time together. You know what I'm saying? Like you either have this problem that we solve and are, and it's big enough of a problem that it's worth spending some time figuring out if we can help you solve it. That was like the thing that I always loved about it is like, you don't really waste, you, you, you know, you don't really waste time necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, you don't waste time and you just, it just cut to the chase. Yeah. You know, you just, and, and like, there's so much nonsense out there about it scared, it scared the daylights out of me. I was like, you know, applying to these sales jobs and people were like, well, you've never closed anyone. And I was like, well, what, what do you mean? Like, is this something I, I was researching? How do I close people? And like, <laughs> you know, you hear this with the, the, you know, the buzzwords and the, the social media, you know, sales experts are like all kinds of like, they, they make it sound very challenging. You know, yeah. you have to do this, you have to do that. You have to do this. And you know, you got to have banked and you got to do this. And, it, and they make it sound like it's some crazy thing that you have to understand. But to me, when I got into sales, I was like, wow, this is just connecting people and talking sensibly about something and, and getting them to write their name on a contract. You know, yeah. I, I think like it comes down to, you know, becoming, it's like anything, right? If, if, if I'm going to give you advice about something, and this doesn't really actually happen in today's world with social media, because everybody thinks they're an expert, but like true expertise is becoming a subject matter expert in a, in a specific area and then using that expertise to, to, to make, to help people make decisions. That's really what selling is, right? It's like, you know, there, there, there are a lot of, you know, especially on LinkedIn, these influencers out there that think they have the magic silver bullet of like how to sell and how to be a great salesperson. It comes down to like anything else. It's hard work on becoming an expert and getting really knowledgeable about the problem that you solve, how you solve it uniquely and how, why that problem matters to the person you're talking to, depending on Absolutely. the company they're at, their title, the industry that they're in. If you do those things and you have a human conversation with somebody, you can sell. I think anyway. I, I couldn't agree more. If you're out there listening, like who are these two guys, you know, from Massachusetts talking about Merchants of Change podcast. Like if you're out there wondering what to do next and you stumbled upon this, like this is what we're going to be doing is talking to guests who are sales professionals, very successful in their careers and normal people. We're yes. going to be talking to normal people. There's no, there's no nonsense here about, you know, you have to do this to do that. You don't, it's just, we're going to be talking to normal people and how they're making six, seven figures selling software and how you can do it too. And it's really, there's really no, you know, rocket science involved. I don't know. Is that, is that a good, I mean, am I overselling it? But I no, no, <laughs> I, I think you're right on. Like, I think it's, it's not, it, there's no special certifications here needed. There's no like, you know, like there's no right or wrong way. It's, it's about, you know, bringing, bringing to bear the the characteristics that make anybody great at anything hard work you know intellectual curiosity resiliency like those are the reasons why people have success right and some people have a little bit more and, and I'm one of these people that because they picked the right company to go do it at 
right? Like that's really, that's really as simple as it gets. Like, you know, great salespeople, there's great salespeople at every company. It doesn't matter. There's people that are subject matter experts that, you know, work with their customers in a great way that have a great sales process or methodology. Um, and you know, that those are the people that we want to go out and talk to and, and, and learn from them, how they found the career, how they found success, what areas they think that the younger folks and the, and the people newer to the industry should be thinking about as they move into their career. I think that's what it's all about. Um, that's totally in, in, if you're in sales and you're listening, you should already know this, but you can get better. Like I tell this to people all the time, just because you're in sales and you sold a bunch of software and you're, you know, or sold a bunch of real estate, whatever it is, you can constantly get better. And I have to challenge myself. I know JR, you do this better than most people, but I challenge myself to like read books and listen to podcasts and watch videos and, you know, tighten up my sales process and tighten up my sales game because yeah, you closed, you know, $500 million in a deal. That's great. But you still have to go close another deal next quarter and you're going to see different things. Like I, I don't think people understand that is, is like, if you're good at sales, yeah, that's, that's great. But there's going to be a new technology in three years that you've never even heard of that impacts your business. So you have to always be brushing up on your game, just like an athlete, always be practicing, learning. I think that's what a lot of salespeople get wrong. So if you're looking to get into sales, this is a good podcast. But if you're in sales and you're just looking to learn what other successful salespeople are doing to stay fresh, I think it will also be a great learning experience. That's a good transition to to Shift Group, John. So um, I think it was 2019. You and I were talking a lot. um, And you you were kind of starting... Or, or in the middle of writing your book, right? Do you want to, can you just talk a little bit real quick about like the book? Like, like, yeah. yeah. So I wrote a book. Uh, <laughs> it's for sale. No, it's, uh, yeah. So I, for everybody listening, I wrote a book called How to Get a Sales Job based on my experience of transitioning from finance to software and everything I learned in between. So I was, I was sick and tired of explaining myself on phone calls or in emails to people who were like, Hey, how'd you get that sales job? How'd you get into sales? So I just wrote it down. And then, you know, after a few years of sending out emails on how to do it, I just put it into a book and uh, it's on Amazon, how to get a sales job. And yeah, I was writing that right around the same time we started talking about, I guess we were bored. I don't, I don't really remember how we started talking about it. Well, I, I was, I was, so I've been getting phone calls for literally 15 years from my hockey buddies, like being like, you know, JR, you're not that smart. You make a lot of money. Um, let help me get into tech sales. Right. And I, and I was, I started sending you some kids too, because I knew you were writing the book and yeah. you know, we said, me and you so, were like, listen, dude, like we're giving these guys some awesome advice. And we're helping these companies find some awesome candidates. I think there's a business here. And I think we, we bought the shift group, uh, domain in like May 2019. Um, when I first moved to Arizona, I remember sitting at a cigar bar, Fox cigar bar in Scottsdale, smoking a stogie and like setting it up on GoDaddy and being like, this is so sick. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then we were like, all right, let's, let's try to help a bunch of kids for free. And I, th- I think we set a goal of like 10 kids. And I said, once we do 10 kids, 
you know, this, this could be a business. And that's kind of how, that's how I remember it started. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, it wasn't anything more than that. I think my, my book was either in progress or already, already out there. And then you were naturally helping people. I was naturally, naturally helping people. And, you know, for, <laughs> I like to think I have a big network, but then I talk to you and I'm like, Oh man, I need to meet more people. But I think having naturally having a, a big network, it was, it was, I keep saying naturally, but it was a natural progression. We both have large networks, been successful in sales and people were asking us, Hey, how'd you do that? I, I took the uh, academic approach of putting it down on paper and you were just doing it word of mouth and helping you helped a lot of people. So when we put it together, now you have this business, this model where we're helping people make that transition. And when you told me, Hey, I'm going to call it shift. I was like, that's a great name. I was like, this is a solid name and it, it might actually work. So yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a very organic story. hundred percent. I remember our first business model. Do you remember the, the, the pricing page that I built? It was like, you showed, me a, you showed me a PowerPoint one time and I was like, what is this? It was like college athletic scholarship, uh, minor league contract. Yeah. We were going to chart. We were going to actually charge people to help them get jobs. Like we didn't even think about the other yeah. side of the market where companies pay, pay agencies like ours all the time for great candidates. Like the original, I think we might've charged one kid, dude. We should probably call that kid back. <laughs> money. Yeah. I, I think we were, we were both kind of like, okay, we're both helping a lot of people get jobs. Maybe they'll pay us, but that's not how recruiting, that's not how it works. So, no, uh, yeah. no. you know, and you know, it's funny is I, I'm 99% sure, you know, but I think the first person we placed was randomly Holy Cross, uh, Holy oh. Cross athlete. Yeah. After we incorporated the company. So, so, you know, we were doing it for free for a while. And then finally, like through COVID, I was, we we're both getting super busy because so many guys were retiring from pro sports at the same time that I was like, dude, we're going to incorporate. You went and got the LLC and we went live. We like published the website for like public consumption. And we're like, all right, how do we find guys? And then we ended up with a Holy Cross football player, like right on our doorstep. He was the first kid we ever placed. And then, you know, that was July, I think July 7th of, of 2021. And, you know, it's been a pretty much due to rocket ship since. So it um, feels like a, yeah, it feels like a bit of a blur with, especially, with, you know, tying the, the pandemic during this and, you know, you're out in Arizona, I'm in Toronto, but yeah, it's for, you know, I think, I think, uh, if you're interested in, in getting into software sales and you have an athletic background or a student athlete, former retired professional athlete, like I would reach out immediately. Um, we've had some crazy uh, success stories and very interesting backgrounds. I remember yeah. talking to a girl who, you know, didn't qualify for the Olympics and then was told to get a job and, you know, other people holding out on interviewing for a role because they're in the NFL draft and like, yeah. it's just a, it's been a, it's been a crazy uh, year and a half, but yeah. A lot, I mean, lot of folks working in retail or, you know, selling fitness, fitness uh, subscriptions at gyms, things like that. Absolutely. 
A lot of people work in gyms or coaching after yeah. sports. I don't know. I've, I've found that to be like, you know, a couple of people, uh, I talked to somebody who went to one of the military academies who was a coach. And I was like, look, if you graduate from a military academy, I'm sure you can sell software to somebody. And so we're, we're out here trying to make, uh, you know, this podcast and, and spread awareness. And I think these episodes will be good. I think it'll be really good for, especially for younger people that are like, questioning what to do next yeah and i and i just want to hit on real quick before we before we wrap up this first episode the the name of the podcast that we chose so merchants of change right um there's a guy i talked about mentorship right and mentorship being a huge part of my career and one of the reasons that i that I start that, you know, I think we both started the company is because we enjoy that. Like we enjoy helping people and being mentors. So my, one of my biggest mentors is this guy, Jim McInerney. He was a, he's the guy who brought me over to turbo early days. He helped build out like a world famous inside sales program at EMC. He's gone on to a couple other like absolute winners from a company perspective. And he always had a sign behind his desk called Merchant of Change. And the reason I, I got the okay from him to name the podcast that is because I always stuck with me because I always thought of myself as a merchant of change, right? A merchant is a person who trades in commodities produced by other people. Um, they trade with like foreign countries. They're involved in business or trade. You know, they've it's merchants have been around, you know, it's one of the oldest professions in the world, right? It's as long as industry, commerce, and trade have existed, merchants have existed. And and that's what salespeople are merchants, right? Now, what you're actually selling, in my opinion, in software is change, right? Like software is changing the way that people do their job, the way they interact with the companies they work for and the companies they buy stuff from. So what you have to do as a, as a salesperson is you have to go in and you have to convince people to change their business as usual, to change the way they're doing things. Um, so the name is really in, in honor of Jim, but it's also like the idea that, you know, getting into this career, you're becoming your own merchant of change, right? Like, that's what I think it's a super powerful name. And I, I love that he let us use it. Um, but I think that that's going to be a, a recurring theme in every episode is talking about like, you know, what's your approach to convincing people to change? Cause that's really what sales is. You know what I mean? I love, I love it. And I actually didn't even know that. I just, I saw you name this podcast and I was like, Oh, that's a sick name. And I was like, but that hearing that is like, it, it's, it's good to hear where it stems from, but, for for everybody's kind of like thinking about this like that's that's very powerful because think about it like you're looking for a career right everybody looks for a career it, you know people have all kinds of ideas about what happens in a career but selling technology is an age old profession it's been happening for thousands of years and people have been trying to sell you know all kinds of different technologies. Ours just happens at the time to be software, but I think Henry Ford convinced, convincing people to ride in automobiles versus horses is selling a technology. And technology is always going to change. I don't care what people think like, 
this is it, Metaverse, Web.3.0, whatever it is. No, that's going to be old news in a year and a half. Just like, just like AOL, just like CD players. Like, it's all going to be, it's technology is evolution, or sorry, technology is exponential, which means you're always going to have something to sell. You're always going to have value to bring. If it stops, we're going to have bigger problems. If technology just stops and innovation stops, the world's going to just end. So you're, yeah, go ahead. So the first, the first tech sales guy is that caveman rolling a wheel out of the cave and being like, look at this thing. I think that this thing could, this thing yeah. could be valuable. That's the first tech sales guy. That's yeah. our logo, dude. Yeah. That is and our then, logo. And then you got the guys in the, the eighties and nineties selling mainframe, you know, hardware saying, this is the future. It's never yeah. going to get better. Now, you know, Microsoft's out here saying you don't need hardware, just put it in the cloud. It, like yeah. that's going to be old news so oh, yeah. quickly and, and you're going to have to learn and think on your feet. So yeah, it's a, it's a very challenging career. I think, yeah. you know, because you always have to be learning and you always have to be like challenging yourself to, to keep up with the technology. But I mean, man, if there is career safety, I think technology is good. Is a safe bet. Just look at the stock markets. Yep. Look at the, the trillion-dollar companies. They're not like retail stores. It's technology. Well, look, well, listen, the good news for everybody is they're not just going to have to listen to you and I chatter all the time. We're going to yeah. bring on a guest every week, and we're just going to talk about you know, their, their, their path to sales, the things that they think matter, um, and like how they show up every day as a merchant of change. So... John, this is exciting, dude. I'm, I'm pumped, uh, obviously, as always, to work with you. And this is going to be fun, man. Thank you. I love it. We'll, keep, Thank we'll you. keep them fun, too. I know we're just talking about the, the podcast right now, but I think me and you kind of interrogating people is going to be pretty fun, too. Hilarious. Awesome. All right, buddy. Have a good time. Stay warm up there in Canada, kid. All right. Later. Later, kid. This wraps up this episode of Merchants of Change. If you enjoyed this episode, the most meaningful way to say thanks is to submit a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in working with us, please come find us at www.shiftgroup.io.